0: what would it be
1: If you're sitting around waiting to feel ready, you might feel ready at 11:35 today, but as soon as 11:37 rolls around, you're back to being scared and thinking that you're not ready. Don't wait until you have some kind of arbitrary state of readiness because you could be waiting forever.
0: Dr. Rebecca Ray is a clinical psychologist, author and speaker. Over the course of almost two decades of practice, Rebecca has helped hundreds of big picture thinking people, through courses and consultations, live a life that's fulfilling, unapologetic and free. Whilst her technique is science-backed, her approach sees her deliver both hard truths and an undercurrent ethos of self-kindness first, always. Beck's unique expertise has seen her engage with thousands of people and sets her apart of one of Australia's most in-demand and authoritative voices in the personal development space. Beck is an author of five books, including Be Happy, The Art of Self-Kindness, The Universe Listens to Brave, Setting Boundaries and Small Habits for a Big Life. She is one fascinating human, and I've been looking forward to sitting down with Rebecca for a very long time. I cannot wait to see where this chat leads us. Dr. Rebecca Ray, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to One Question. Thank you for having me, Michelle. How fun. This is going to be good because you are such a fascinating woman, I tell you. I cannot wait to see where this goes. (laughs) Rebecca, if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about what would it be
1: i actually deeply deeply wish that society would talk about how boundaries are a gift in relationships rather than something to be avoided or something to be scared of because i really believe that when we're clear about our boundaries for ourselves both our boundaries with ourselves and our boundaries with others it's like giving other people a user manual for how to love and respect us and i think it's the kindest thing that we can absolutely do in relating to one another because most of the time we expect other people to be mind readers and we're just not and so if you're able to offer someone else your instruction manual then all of a sudden you're in a place where your
0: connection with that person can deepen oh that is so beautiful wow okay that's it we're done I said, there's the topic. <laughs> it's like what a statement. I love that. And the way you articulated that as well Beck is just so beautiful. So you said you're deeply, deeply, deeply passionate about this, which uh, is just divine. So why is it that this is something that you you know want people to talk more about? Is it from your own experience, or is it just so frustrated, you know throughout life that people you know expect to understand you or you to understand them?
1: I think my frustration is around, the fact that I initially wanted to write a book on self-worth and I went to my publisher and I said my audience and every single client that came to see me when I was in clinical practice sat opposite me and essentially told me a story that was rooted in feeling a deep sense of unworthiness and so I want to write a book around meeting that question with some kind of solution and my publisher was like nah <laughs> no I don't think it's not gonna I don't I don't know that we can sell that it's a bit wishy-washy and she said to me, can you write a book on boundaries I think that boundaries is really necessary that we talk about that and I said no, I don't want to be the boundaries chick and it took me some time to really think about that because then I landed on something that I can't believe I didn't see before that point in time. And I feel like my publisher is such a gift because just by planting that seed in my head, she allowed me to make this connection. But boundaries are the language of self-worth. So I essentially did write a book about self-worth, but I did it from the practicality of the way you convey your sense of worthiness to the people that you love and the people that you interact with on a daily basis is via setting boundaries. The way you respect yourself and love yourself from a place of knowing your value is via respecting your own boundaries. And so without her planting that seed in my head about the topic, I would never have signed up to write a book on boundaries. It enabled me to make that link and go, This is it. This is boundaries are actually the language of self-worth. They are how we talk about our own value. And that's where my passion comes from is because if you don't actually operate in the world from a place of I have value just for existing, then it really makes it very difficult for you to live into your potential. It makes it difficult for you to connect with others in a way that is respectful and loving and authentic. One of the things that really suffers when you're not operating in the world from feeling that you have some kind of worthiness is it's hard to show up as who you are. And so that's where it started. It started from a mini argument that I had with my publisher over what I would write and her being right and me finally wrapping my head around, actually, this is a book about self-worth. But we're calling it boundaries so that people actually have something to hang their hat on because it then gives people the skills that they need to be able to walk it out into the world and say, if I have some kind of worthiness, then it means that I have expectations to be treated in a certain way and also to treat myself in
0: this way. Mm, God, I just love that. Just everything you're saying there. And I think, you know, there's all the cliche kind of Insta memey things. It's like, you, you know, no one's ever going to love you unless you love yourself. All those kind of points, which sounds a bit, you know, kind of fluffy and woo woo, whatever, but you're giving real tangible elements there. And also, I don't believe that.
1: You can absolutely love other people before you love yourself. Like there's, that's just a lie. It's a straight out <laughs> lie. When you see those Instagram quotes that go, oh, you can't love others until you love yourself. What rubbish. I have treated so many people who love other people so deeply, but they don't have a relationship with themselves that's solid. So I'm not saying that you need to have this perfect sense of worthiness in order to interact with the world in a healthy way. What I'm saying is these are essentially skin skills, relational skills that we can develop over time, which means that you can befriend yourself. It's much easier to be a friend to yourself and to start there rather than to having to have to start at this panacea of I've got to love myself. No, let's let go of this bullshit quote kind of way of operating. You don't have to love yourself, but the way you treat yourself does mm-hmm. matter. You don't need to get to a state where you absolutely love everything about yourself, but you can still operate from a place of deep compassion for yourself and to understand that you can accept yourself, even the parts that you're forgiving and improving and growing to then go out into the world and be able to love others in a way that includes yourself as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. It makes sense to me completely. So I have a very dear woman in my life who is a gorgeous friend, but she's almost like a surrogate mother. She's 74 and um, she happens to now live four doors down. That's how I found my house by going to have a cup of tea with her many years ago. I actually call her the queen of boundaries. Like she is unbelievable of and how what she's taught me over the years of, you know, setting boundaries. You know, she's hilarious. She'll say, okay, you can come to tea, come to dinner, and you must be at my house by 5 And we're like, nobody eats dinner at that hour. We're like, no, we're not coming. Yes, well, I'll serve I'll serve I you do. margarita. I just want to expand. <laughs> it's like, I'll give you a margarita at five o'clock, five thirty. That's fine. You can go sit to entice us to come early. And then you know you finished dinner. She goes, Okay, you can go home now. It's like 8 30, I have to go to bed. <laughs> so I just and I go, Tiggy, you're so rude. And she goes, No, no, if you don't have the boundaries, you know. So she has educated me for many years about this, which is what I love. And I said to her, I said, I'm gonna get you on here and talk about the uh, as the queen of boundaries, but you've beaten her to it, back, so which she'll be dirty on.
1: <laughs> I actually feel like she and I oh, would be best friends. Absolutely friend because I operate A with the same schedule and B with the same level of boundaries in my life because otherwise it's not gonna work like we need to eat dinner early go to bed early
0: I'm a night owl doesn't work for me I get to bed at like 11 12 so we can play. and that's when I do my best work
1: yes you do need to acknowledge your self-knowledge and your own circadian rhythms because if you function on the opposite level my best friend's the same as you I stayed at her place when I was down in Sydney for my most recent book launch actually and her kids and her husband stay up and I was like at eight o'clock bye <laughs> i like, to bed go <laughs> get out. I'm going into the spare bedroom. Don't come in. Don't text me. And, um, I'll see you in the morning. And they're all like, Oh, bye Nana. And I'm like, I, oh, this Nana energy, I embrace the Nana energy. Like, and I'm up before them all in the morning as I get ready for the next, I was going on TV actually the next day. And, um, I was like, you're all still in bed. I've had a shower. I'm ready to go. The taxi's out the front. Yeah. See you later. But it's, I think the most important thing to know is that you don't need to have a circadian rhythm that fits a certain thing. You just need to know your own. And once you know your own, then it makes it so much easier to function because, as you know, if you're a night owl, you get your best work done at night. When I'm writing a book, I'm writing my sixth book at the moment. One of the things that I cannot do is write after about 12 p.m. Can't do it. Not available. Cannot do it. And so if I'm going to write in a day, it happens Long before that, sometimes even 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Like that's the brain that I need. If you ask me to do anything functional after 5 p.m., besides listen to audiobooks and maybe do sight cards with my four year old. No, it's not going to
0: happen. <laughs> I love it. And I think it's a really good point about your circadian rims and understanding that and then how to work with each other on that if you are opposite of your partner, which is another whole other thing. But let's, let's dig a little bit more into the boundary element. So how do you encourage people to, you know, set boundaries? Like what's the process? Because I think, you know, in our kind of world these days or uh, even growing up, you know, if you're trying to sort of set boundaries and say no to things, there's that pressure of, you know, like being polite or not being selfish or all those sort of things. And so, and I've talked a lot about this with Tiggy, about that kind of interpretation about her kind of, you know, gruffness or you know, slightly kind of, you know, coldness, the way she, you know, articulates things. She goes, well, I don't care. And I'm like, but you're a tougher, braver person than I am. I don't think I'm that tough. (laughs) So how do you encourage people to do, you know, to set the boundaries? And, you know, are there kind of baby steps along the way that, you know, through the process as you get better? How does one go about it, Beck?
1: There's different ways to set boundaries and it, it does depend on who you are and how you naturally talk. So I'm always really hesitant to say, here's the formula for setting boundaries, like use these words. Instead, what I would encourage listeners to be able to identify for themselves is A, what's the job you want the boundary to do? Because once you know what the job is, then you can be clear on what is the outcome that I'm looking for here. So in Tiggy's example, Her job is looking after her own needs energetically. So she's making it clear that she wants you at her place for a 5.30 dinner so you'll be gone by 8.30 because that's bedtime for her. So she's looking after her energy. Those boundaries aren't about her wanting to spend less time with you. They're about her knowing the consequences if she has a late night for her the next day. So once you know the job of the boundary, then you're able to look at who the boundary needs to be communicated to because one of the things about boundaries is Boundaries don't work unless people know they're there. (laughs) This is one of the really difficult things about boundaries is sometimes people get all shitty and they become really resentful. And also, this is another thing to note about whether or not your boundaries are working or whether there's a boundary there that you didn't know. If you're experiencing anger or irritation or frustration or resentment, that's probably a sign that there's a boundary in your world that needs to be strengthened or needs to be communicated in the first place well, perhaps you didn't even know was there until it was crossed. And so what Tiggy's doing is she's saying, okay, there's a boundary there for my energy, and I must respect it so that I'm okay the next day. So once you know that that's the job of the boundary, then you need to communicate it to the people that need to know about it. Now, obviously, People that don't come for dinner at Tiggy's house don't need to know about that boundary. People who go out to dinner with Tiggy probably need to know that boundary because she'll be going home probably at 8 so she's in bed by 8.30. That's what I'd do. I'd be making sure that travel time was included in that. And so one of the things that I love that Tiggy's doing is she's communicating it at the Mm, outset, mm. right? She's telling you long before you get to her place this is how it will go. You know, you'll be there at 5.30, you'll have a mar- margarita followed by dinner and then you'll be leaving at 8.30 and that's home time. So, What she's actually doing is in her own way, so you've identified she's got her own way of communicating that might be a little brusque for some people, but because you know who she is, you're not offended, but you wouldn't necessarily use the same words. So instead, what I would encourage you to do is just focus on the fact that this boundary is an instruction for someone else in terms of how to love and respect you. And that can help then the tone that you need to use to be able to get the boundary across. So for instance, when I stayed with Jen, my best friend in Sydney, I was down in Sydney for five nights. So I was there from Sunday until Friday. I flew back on Friday and I stayed with Jen for the first three nights and then I stayed in a hotel. It would have been much cheaper to just stay with her for the whole time, but I can't there's just too much going on. She has two dogs, two cats, three children, and a very extroverted husband who talks too much. Now, as much as I love him, I adore him. I'm an introvert. And the level of extroverted energy I have to offer in that household is just, I'm not available for more than three days worth. And so before I even got down there, text Chen and said I've thought about this and I can't stay for more than 3 nights I will die so I'm staying in a hotel nearby obviously we've known each other for 20 years she wrote back and said this actually sounds like the best plan I'll come have dinner with you when you're in the hotel so the management of it depends on your closeness of the relationship as well let's say it's not someone that you know very well i think one of the things that can really help help you when it's someone that you don't know very well is making it about the boundary and about something that's a part of your way of being rather than about the other person. So when we're talking, let's say Tiggy is having someone over for dinner that she doesn't know very well because they're a, an associate of someone that she does know, she can simply convey that by saying, this is how my energy works, rather than saying, I don't want you to be in my house any longer than 8.30. Like, that's very different, different yeah, yeah. to saying... I'm a morning person, so I go to bed at this time, so dinner will finish at this time. You know, it's really different to communicate it like that. So A, know what the boundary's job is. B, understand that the way you communicate it will depend on your relationship with the person. And C, make it about the boundary itself rather mm. than about the other No, person.
0: it's great. Perfect perfect explanation there. One of the things you said, though, at the start, it was around you know, continuing to use Tig as the example where she knows that it's about her energy levels and that she needs to get to bed early. So that then, you know, really digs into around understanding your own boundaries. So that's something I'm not good at because I'm, you know, have the whole FOMO, Sagittarian, love to party. So, you know, even if I know I have to get to bed at 10 or 11, I'll rather just be there with people till 2am because like to have a good time and party. Otherwise I feel like I'm missing out. So I think what I want to do in is how do you how do you then identify those kind of boundaries because that was kind of the core essence of what you began the conversation with for yourself and setting those boundaries for yourself you know that are important to your you know your life and your wellness and health etc what sort of advice do you have in that space
1: yes so those boundaries that we're talking about are what I refer to as internal boundaries they're boundaries between you and you And these boundaries are hard because no one else is holding you to them except for you. And it's really easy to walk out on ourselves and ignore ourselves because it's only us that has to deal with the consequences. So the thing that's really important around this, though, is values, because it's not that your boundaries are necessarily wrong, Michelle. Like if you looked at not staying there until 2 a.m., and the impact that that would have on you, there could be a situation where your feelings around that are actually telling you that part of your value system is to be with your people and to milk as much out of those situations of fun and joy and connection as you possibly can. But sometimes you don't know whether it's that or whether you're just kind of copping out and just kind of giving up on yourself, is to check in with your 80-year-old self. So if you ask your 80-year-old self, what would I prefer to do in this situation? Do I leave at 10 p.m. because I wake up a bit fresher the next day or do I stay until 2 a.m. because that's who I want to be in terms of celebrating my friendships, celebrating the most fun I can have out of life? And the answer that your 80-year-old self gives you tells you what the boundary is in that situation. Mm,
0: Interesting. I've never thought of it that way. So then talk about some other elements around... I guess you know people living or working in a you know working in a job that they hate, you know in terms of those kind of boundaries, or you know working for a boss and you know being miserable every day because you are responsible for your own life, like I fundamentally believe in that, you you're not responsible or can you know necessarily manage or decide what's going to happen to you, but it is that absolute how you deal with those elements, and having had some significant you know really shitty stuff happen to me in life, i. I think I'm um come from a good position of being able to you know articulate that well but how do you set boundaries around kind of the work element where people I just doesn't make sense to me where people work in jobs that they every day they you know feel sick to get up and go to. And I challenge my mates in that space and go, why are you doing this? Like you, oh, well, you don't understand. I've got bills to pay and I've got kids. I'm like, no, 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 that's not, that's not what it's about. So how do you advise people in those sort of cases? Because to me, that's a fundamental boundary problem.
1: The first thing I would probably address around that is it's a privilege to have choices. And some people honestly don't feel like they have the privilege to be able to make other decisions around their work life. They might feel like their age is a factor and it ultimately is in the Australian job market. They might feel like they don't necessarily have the skills to just let everything go and go and seek another opportunity. They may not have a partner that can pay the bills while they go and start their, make their side gig their main income. And so I think there's a really important acknowledgement around when you're looking at why people make certain decisions that often they're operating from a place of self, self-protection. And I talk about this quite a lot in my most recent book, Small Habits for a Big Life. When we operate from a place of self-protection, we can end up in a state of self-sabotage. And that's what you're speaking to. You're speaking to... Without using the label, you're speaking about people that are frustrating you because you can see that they're capable of more, but they keep continuing on this roundabout of not uh, taking perhaps a braver option that would result in a better outcome for them if only they could cross that threshold of fear. And I don't think it's that simple. I think we must acknowledge privilege, first and foremost, that if you have the choice and the emotional stability and the mental wellness and the resources available to you to then get to the start line to make a different decision, then yes, we might be talking about self-sabotage after that. But Many people don't actually have all of those things in place to then be able to be looking for a different job tomorrow just because they hate what, they, what they're what they doing on a daily basis. So let's talk about both scenarios. Let's say people don't have the privilege of different choices because they're not well enough. They don't have a partner supporting them. They don't have everything in place to just redirect. I would say that your choice then is how you frame what it is that you're doing on a daily basis. Rather than getting up and saying, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I would connect it to something that it's allowing you to do that fits with who you want to be in the world. So it might help you pay your bills so that you can then play golf on the weekend with your best mate. We can't get away from the fact that your job perhaps might feel soul-sucking, but we can shift it towards, but I do this because a roof over my head is important to me and I'm providing for my family and it allows me to do these other things outside of work. Now, if we're talking about the person that does have the privilege of making a different choice at some point, then what I want to talk about is fearlessness and readiness because both of those things will make me get a bit ranty. But
0: No, go. I love it.
1: Fearlessness is bullshit. Let's just knock that on the head to begin with. You cannot be fearless unless you're a psychopath or unless you have a certain type of brain injury. We are actually designed to have fear when we're outside of our comfort zone. So the first thing to understand is that many people are actually in a place where they would love to make a change, but they're waiting until they don't have any fear around it and then they can do that. My answer to that is you won't get to that point. And in fact, once you make the leap, the fear might initially increase because you're in unfamiliar territory. And that's the sign that you're expanding your comfort zone. It's not a sign that you're doing something wrong. It's a sign that you're actually taking the leap. The second thing is many people will go, well, I'll do it when I'm ready. I'll do the thing when, when I've lost weight, when I'm making enough money, when I have enough savings, when I have the perfect partnership, when I have this, this and this in place. Also bullshit. The disappointing news around this is readiness is a myth. And if you wait until you feel ready, feelings are transient, which means they're not reliable and they're super fickle. So if you're sitting around waiting to feel ready, you might feel ready at 11.35 today. But as soon as 11.37 rolls around, you're back to being scared and thinking that you're not ready. Don't wait until you have some kind of arbitrary state of readiness because you could be waiting forever. So this is a big, long soliloquy to essentially say the change that you want to make is about you making that change for your future self. Because that's what's going to change your future self's experience. But in order to make that change today, you have to accept the discomfort of growth. It's not necessarily going to be easy. It's not going to feel good, but it's the change that will transform everything for your tomorrow self.
0: What a beautiful explanation, Beck. That's just blown my mind. <laughs> Which, as a you know, clinical psychologist, I guess that's what you do, right? But um, <laughs> amazing. So, I mean, you've written five books, you're an ex-pilot. Do you still have a practice in terms of actually seeing clients as well, or do you not do that anymore?
1: No, the last client I saw was the day before I gave birth in 2018. And I promised myself at that point that I would never go back. So, I thought that I would be a clinical psychologist in clinical practice until I was 70, and I ended up having to retire about 35 years early. And that's because I got so burnt out and failed to t- pay attention to any of those symptoms early enough. And I let them go for so many years that I tried to cut back. I tried to do less days, less weeks, um, less hours. And none of it worked. So even after an 18 month break, I went back to it in a very part time way and I couldn't do it. So the last day, I mean, I could do it. I could do my job, but it didn't feel good.
0: Yeah. And there in lives, you setting boundaries around that and changing your life, right? Which is fabulous. So what an amazing book. And I think giving those tips of, you know, what you've gone through today is just fabulous. And the new book out, as you said, was um, Small Habits for a Big Life. So I can't wait to read that because I think, you know, having those kind of components and I think, you know, just give me one, one tip one small habit that you think that people should take on if there was one thing they should change?
1: If there's one thing that you should change in terms of something that you would transform your experience right now, it's that I want you to relentlessly believe in your own potential because I think that the belief in our capacity to change, even if you don't know how it's going to look, even if you don't know exactly what to do right now, the belief in your own potential is what's going to transform your experience.
0: Yeah, oh, Beck, that's beautiful. What a beautiful way to finish our discussion today and such a delight to chat to you. I knew it would be interesting and fascinating and go in all different angles, but you even exceeded my expectations on what we we're going to talk about. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle.
0: Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favor? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me.